Hello and welcome to Year 7, Episode 3 of the Geeky Brewery Podcast. Joining me, your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish, today is Miss Keith Bluefield. Hello, everybody. Mr. Lee Price. Hello. Mr. Sam Edwards. Hello. And Mr. Matt Lovell. Hello. How the devil are we all? You all okay? Yeah, good. good. Yeah, good. Cool. Awesome. Today on the show, we will be talking about Star Wars Celebration, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves, which is in cinemas at the time of recording. It still should hopefully be on at the time mm-hmm. that you're watching this. And we'll be having our Pound Trap cosplay off. But for now, roll credits. <laughs> And you bold getting in the way. We finally got a good Dungeons and Dragons movie. Probably quite how he phrased it off with. But anyway, uh, so John Francis. It's better saying, than Uwe Boll. Yes, <laughs> Uwe Boll is a damning with faint phrase there. So, directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, written by Jonathan Goldstein, John Francis Daly, and Michael Giglio. Uh, you may know John Francis Daly from Freaks and Geeks, which was the eponymous one series, launched the career of 90% of Hollywood comedy scene now, which I'd have to help. Uh, Paul Feige, I think it was, back in the day. And he's also in Bones. You've probably seen him in that. But starring in the film is Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, René Jean-Page, uh, Justice Smith, Sophia Lilly, Hugh Grant, and quite a lot of others. So everybody, I think, apart from, unfortunately, Matt has seen it, so we'll try and be as spoiler-free as possible. Not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, what was our thoughts? Sam, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um, yeah, it's good fun. It, it sort of feels like a good kind of rollicking adventure film. Uh, it doesn't really matter if, you have, if you're not familiar with the, the Dungeons & Dragons universe, but if you are, there's lots of little Easter eggs and nods to it in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really well done. Yeah. Lee, I think you had a very succinct sentence on your Twitter feed. Uh, probably, but I don't remember what it was. But ultimately, <laughs> it is um, it is just a and d campaign in movie form. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, like, super well-versed in the actual universe of D&D because of, like, most of the campaigns I've played have been in, like, homebrew worlds or other worlds and things like that. But, like, what I recognized was, like, the tropes of a campaign mm-hmm. and some of the things that players do and some of the contrivances that come up well, for players, and just the fact that it's like all seeded through there, like I appreciated it anyway when I watched it. But then, like I looked at a Reddit thread, which was on like one of the D and D subreddits, and people were pointing out all the little details, and it made me appreciate it even more. Because I was like, "Oh yeah, it does do that. It does do that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about yourself, Keith? What were your thoughts? I thought it was hugely entertaining. Um, exactly what you want a film of that to do. It kind of reminded me a lot of. 80s sword and sorcery films mm-hmm. um, but with m- more humour so yeah. kind of like things like Dragon Slayer and stuff like that which I kind of really enjoyed and I thought it worked really well casting Chris Pine as a bard it kind of worked with his kind of slightly mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, I want to say cocksure is that allowed? <laughs> yeah. um, the, the way he kind of plays his characters he's got that kind of twinkly James T. Kirk kind of yeah. thing and I think it worked perfectly for a, a, the character of a bard it worked, worked brilliantly on, on that note the, the bit that I really liked that sort of cemented him as a bard 
was when they're sort of resting on the beach and he sort of lies down in like the sexy pose. And I was just like, that is such a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think they made the decision of choosing not like the traditional like fighter class. They like mixed it up a bit. So you had a bard, you had a barbarian, you had a sorcerer rather than a wizard. And um, druid. Druid rather than, yeah, your standard kind of fighter, wizard, etc. classes. There was not very many magic missiles, I thought, got no. thrown around. Well, nobody cast Fireball. No. I don't think anybody cast Fireball. But, I mean, on that note, there are, in fact, like, a ton of, like, different spells in there. That yeah. When they came up, I was like, oh, that's that thing. <laughs> um, like, the Resilient Sphere shows up, and Bigby's Hand shows up, and yeah. Yeah. that sort of thing. I did quite like the way they name-checked lots of places as yes. well, just, like, mentioning uh, places. Well, I think they... Name checked every single place in the first three minutes. Yeah, it's like it goes from like never like Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate, to Neverwinter. Never yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like I've only ever really played the RPGs and not really played D and D properly, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like there was enough in there for the game fans as well, I think. And there's quite a lot of interesting little ones. And I think the best thing about it is they didn't go super serious and they kept it to a kind of Everybody knows d and is a bit of fun. Everybody's just embracing the character. And it was kind of like, I was half expecting a meta moment where they'd like maybe just take the people mm -hmm. out and like you'd just see like Chris Pride and Michelle Rodriguez sat around a table because they could have <sighs> possibly done that. I, if they'd have done that, I'd have hated it. Would you? Yeah, because it would yeah. just ruin the whole I thing. I think like the fact that it is, it feels like an adaptation of someone's campaign is what makes it so good. Yeah. And I think like pulling it out wouldn't yeah, it? I think if it had done that, that would have shown them being trying to be clever and not taking the source material as this is just good source material and just doing it. Yeah, because I think that's one of the things that like you've got all that sort of all those elements of what a campaign would do and what players would do already in there, but they they do a lot of it very subtly mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of players would kind of pick up on it, but maybe more general audiences yeah. wouldn't. I think by kind of making it too over, it would might off like the more general yeah. audiences i think yeah yeah i, I agree they would obviously do a similar thing in the lego movie but I yeah think they can get away with that because everyone's played with lego at some point mm -hmm. and true what they're doing with it but yeah i think if they'd done that here it would have alienated yeah. like i think one of the the best examples is the joke about intelligence in the movie and uh, yes. <laughs> but like it works on one level like as a sort of like oh well, everyone's not very smart but then you realize it's that it also works on a stat level yeah. as well yeah uh, because when you actually look up those classes, none of them are intelligence-based. Yeah. So, yeah, I think my favourite bit is then the child. Mm. And just he's an actual character in the game, apparently, and it was like, but this makes no sense. But then you read up, <laughs> and it's like, no, he was an actual character, and he was mm -hmm. just a very fat whatever he was. Yeah, and it really worked in the scene that they played him off it in. I think one of the things that I really liked was that. There are definitely moments in it where you're just like, oh, they rolled a natural one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the the bit where like you get um, this really intricate um, sort of puzzle set up, and like you get this whole explanation of like, oh, you have to do things in this order and solve it in this specific way, and then one character just steps on the wrong thing and just it all falls apart. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a character rolling a natural one, and I love it. <laughs> but, um, what do we think about the casting? So. Chris Pine, I think, is embodies a bard quite well. Michelle Rodriguez played a barbarian with a bit of art. Mm -hmm. uh, Justice Smith as Simon, probably the weakest one out of the group. I felt. Uh, I don't know. I think it, I think that's endemic of that particular type of character. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's always the one who kind of seems to be 
it's always the character that's always struggling most with their abilities. Mm -hmm. you know, and there's an interesting meta joke with him in general because he's got low self-esteem, which means he's got low charisma. That's why his magic's bad because they cast with charisma. Mm -hmm. So he's a sorcerer, and not a wizard. So yeah. it's not intelligent. <laughs> yeah, and um, Sophia Lily. I haven't really seen her in anything else. No. She was shows. in um, It, parts yeah. one and two, and then there was yeah. a Netflix show that she was in that was really good that got canned after one season, which was a shame. But I thought she was so great. a Netflix show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I thought, she was really, I thought she was really great as that yeah. kind of character. I mean, I think uh, the only problem with that was is it was a little bit close to the Vox Machina mm. kind of look that they'd got. Yeah, like her especially, like if you put her next to Keelan. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a bit close. But yeah. yeah, I kind of, but then she turns into an owlbear, so, yeah. you know, that's cool. <laughs> I think the standout casting for me, though, is Hugh Grant, because who else oh, yeah. can play a rogue <laughs> rather than Hugh Grant? He is like the ultimate rogue. Yeah. And it's like, even when he's being bad, he's still like, oh. Well, but I, he's, he's he, he was great just because, like, you could tell he was reveling in the fact that he was playing the bad guy. Yeah. He was just, like, having having a blast with it. It was just like, I'm going to walk on set and just, like, eat the scenery and just yeah. have a great time. He was it. just, he just went, I did Paddington 2, and I'm going to do that again. It, it felt so very much it. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham as a parallel. Which was, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go. I don't think I don't think it was this. quite as outrageous as that. I <laughs> think he played it as, as you would expect that type of character mm -hmm. to be, yeah. without being it wasn't, overtly yeah, kind it of was, like uh, yeah. nudge nudge, look at me, being yeah. kind of what's it. So I thought I he think he just fully cool. embraced the role, and I think yeah, he was really just enjoying being there. Yeah. Anyway, is it Chloe Coleman, Kira the Witch? Yeah, didn't have an awful lot to do. No, nah. mm -hmm. scream a lot. I was quite surprised at how little uh, Reggie was in it. Yeah, that I because uh, in the in the marketing campaign it seemed like he was going to be part of the group all mm -hmm. the way through. So I was kind of expecting that but kind yeah. of normal, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons. You've got your Cavalier type character or whatever it is. But, but he was the ultimate NPC. He was a paladin NPC, which like occasionally joined the group. The and, the, and the vibe I got from him is that he was this important NPC that the DM had put there, and everyone just was like, "Oh, you should come with us." But it's just like, no, I don't want him to come. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he just walks off <laughs> without an extra. Explanation. The bit where he walks off and he just goes in a straight line. Yeah. And apparently that was. Is like he going to go over the rock? Is he going to go around it? <laughs> and nope. That was unscripted and he just like carried on <laughs> yeah. in a straight line. It was like, this is what an yeah. NPC would do in the game. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I need to be over here now. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. It reminded me of kind of like, it had that 80s sensibility when it yeah. comes to kind of the, treating this kind of material with like, actually, we're just going to have fun with it and, you know, treat it like it should be. Yeah. And I don't think it was to 21st century of like oh yeah we've got to make it appeal to like you know we've got to be cool and edgy and like whatever it was i thought they just had a, a great deal of fun i'd seen shazam fury of the gods a few weeks before thoroughly enjoyed that again because it was another movie that just went we're having a ball we don't care we don't need to be edgy and gritty like batman and superman it's like we're just gonna have fun we're superheroes what the what the heck whereas with this it was like we're a bunch of dudes battling dragons that's, and well that's the whole nuts. the whole thing is it is this is why it feels like a D and D campaign yeah. because yeah. you know while obviously you know you can take like a lot of what's going on with with D and D seriously while you're playing it, it ultimately you're sitting around a table like joking around with your friends, and that vibe comes across really well in the film. Mm. Yeah. So I think you know on that aspect they nailed yeah. it. So 
and I think that's why it works so well in, in terms of what you're saying, the 80s side yeah. of things. We weren't well, really taking it that seriously. So. If you think of the previous adaptation, so there was a TV series, the cartoon TV series in the 80s, which there is a little bit of a homage to. Mm -hmm. in, in the so I think it's more than just a homage. <laughs> <laughs> but that was probably the last good D&D &D franchise before this. Um, DC did a few Forgotten Realms comics that yeah. were pretty good. And that's kind of, that's mostly where my knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons comes from. Mm -hmm. I don't play. I'm not. I'm not a player of the game, but I kind yeah. of like the comics and I like the ideas of the the the, the realms and the yeah. kind of characters that were in there. So there's been other good stuff. Yeah. I think just in film and television, there hasn't been an awful lot. Yeah, I think film-wise, there was the trilogy of movies which were straight to TV or straight to video. I think, and they were middlingly successful. But with Hasbro purchasing Wizards of the Coast. It's instantly well. Hasbro tried to turn every single front, every single thing they've got into a movie. They turned Battleship into a movie. For God's sake, <laughs> like, there was obviously going to be some D and D movie coming as soon as they did that purchase. But I think they found a sympathetic writer, director, and cast with this, who actually kind of it's had enough money that it was probably not an amazing budget, but it's had enough spent on it that it came across very well done. Mm. I think I came out of it, and, I'm, and I think I messaged you a lot and said, I'd be quite happy to have a sequel, but not necessarily with this cast. I'd be quite happy to have a, just another would, Dungeons yeah. & Dragons campaign with a whole different cast. No, I, think, I, I think what they could do is like... Bring them back as NPCs. In a no, no, I was thinking it's the same cast, but they're playing different characters. It's a Ooh. second campaign. That'd be fun. Yeah. Either that or just reference them again as like another campaign. Have you ever seen the TV show called Miracle Workers? with Daniel Radcliffe. They did a similar thing where each season, it was the same cast, but they had different, mm -hmm. t totally different uh, episodes. One, the first one was they well. were gods, uh, they worked for God. The second one, they were kind of in the Middle Ages, and then the next one, it was the Wild West. So well, yeah, I'm thinking of that. like, sort of like when you've got Carol, they're on the third campaign, and it's yeah. the same cast in each each campaign, but, but they're all doing different characters. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I was thinking of he who should not be named, but Dollhouse, that kind of, the main character resets every time, different role, different kind of thing. But yeah, I'd watch a second D and D movie. Yeah, and I think it's probably going to do better on streaming because uh, we were lucky enough to go to an unlimited City World screening. It was a secret screening. It was about a month before release, and it was just a kind of it was a very mixed reaction from the audience. I think most people were like, "Yeah, this is really good," and then some people just walked out, and some people I walked out about an hour in, which we found quite shocking because it's like. You're two thirds for the movie now. Just stay till the end. Mm -hmm. I couldn't understand why people, anybody, would have walked out of that movie. No, no. Mm -hmm. like, you always nonsense. get that with those unlimited screenings, but you sort of think, you, if you're going to something like that, you need to expect that like, you need to be happy with it, whatever it yeah. is, <laughs> and be prepared to give it a go. But, yeah, yeah. Just a shame, really, because I found it a really fun movie, and it's yeah. it's one of those that's going to become like a Sunday afternoon staple, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's going to be one of those that you'll pop up quite often and you just watch it again and again and again. And each, each time you'll probably notice little things. And yeah. if you're a proper D&D &D player, you'll notice every single little tiny reference mm -hmm. as you go along. Well, I'm hoping that they do a, a decent physical release where yeah. they do a commentary that literally points out every single reference and just <laughs> highlights it. I'd, I'd, love the, I'd love actually for them to do a yeah. physical release that was like one of those deluxe packages that came with like a map of the world and yeah. all and you know a little encyclopedia with all the characters so that'd be cool <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean 
special mention as well to Lorne Bell's score, I think, worked perfectly for the film. Mm-hmm. Wasn't overly loud, wasn't interruptive, but it worked very nice and seamlessly for a campaign. I wonder how many other people's campaigns that score is going to turn up mm-hmm. in the future. But yeah, really recommended. Worth a shot. Best D&D film so far. In the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, Star Wars has came home to the UK for Star Wars Celebration, which was held um, this month, last month, depending on when you're watching this. And kind of quite a few big reveals. So if you don't know what Star Wars Celebration is, it happens every other year now, on average. And it just rotates different places around the world. So it's usually one in the US, one in Europe, one somewhere in Asia, and then back around again and again and again. Uh, But quite a lot of stuff came out, including an Indiana Jones trailer. Got to put it somewhere. Star Wars. <laughs> it's, well, it's Lucas. It's Lucas. Lucas, so. Lucas film. So, but uh, yeah, but we saw quite a lot of stuff. So there was the Ashoka trailer. Um, there was Star Wars movies announced, in turn, including the return of Ray. There was Star Wars Vision season two being announced. Um, there was Skeleton Crew, which they dropped the trailer for. And I think that's oh, and they announced Bad Batch is back for one more final season as well. Yeah. So quite a lot went on. Um, Let's get it out of the way, because I know you're going to want to rant about this for the next five minutes. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, go. I'm parking that, because I'm going to come back to that later in the show. I have a movie that Harrison Ford is actually interested in doing. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Had to get through three other franchise movies first. Save my thoughts on that It's weird seeing Harrison Ford happy. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, that's Star Wars Vision Season 2. Um, interesting mix, including Arben animation this time. That is the one thing in the entire show that I was excited about. Um, I mean, I've said before, I'm I'm sort of indifferent to Star Wars. Like, there's definitely some Star Wars stuff that looks interesting, but I just never get around to watching it. Um, but that Arben episode of Star Wars Visions, I'm going to be right there, just because I've always been a massive fan of Arben. Mm-hmm. And as soon as like, I, I heard it that Ardman were doing something for it. I was like, is it going to just like a stop motion thing that they're doing in the Star Wars universe? And then I watched the trailer for Vision Season 2 and I saw obviously which bit was theirs <laughs> and went, oh no, they just let Ardman do Ardman in Star Wars. If so I'm there. If and Gromit reference, I will be very upset. I, I imagine those two as droids. They, they'll You've be, got your they'll C-3PO be there. and your R2 there. <laughs> just like a cheese my, my favourite bit in that whole thing is at the end where they just the Wookiee just pulls the arm off the dog. <laughs> I was like, that, that's Star Wars, that is. Um, I just like that... Um, I did see someone make a joke about it, like, oh, is it just going to be Wallace and Gromit just turning up in the Star Wars universe? And I was just got this mental image of Wallace just like being shocked by lightsabers and just bumbling around. And I was just like, I would watch that version as well. <laughs> I mean, they did do, thanks to YouTube, I managed yeah. to spend the entire Easter bank holiday, six, seven hours a day, watching mm-hmm. the live stream. Um, which they did on, on YouTube, which was brilliant because I didn't feel too bad about not going to the actual event. Yeah. And they had the panel, they had the full panel uh, for Star Wars Visions on. So they did have some people from 
Aardman actually talking about the creation. And they are taking it seriously. It's proper. It's in the style, you know, it's in the style of Star Wars. Obviously, the visions things are out of the kind of like canonical yeah. uh, thing. But they they reference so many. They went, there's so many people at Aardman just went, we love Star Wars. Well, and so even from the haircuts yeah. and the silhouettes of the haircuts, obviously referencing other things. So if you look at the trailer and you look at the hair of the kind of lead to uh, female characters, yeah. you recognize what the silhouette is. And they were just, they just, they've just gone. And they've put everything they could put into it as, as Star Wars fans. Yeah, so we've got Dennis Lawson coming back as Wedge, which yep. is probably the real been Wedge. a long time since he was probably in. Angelica Houston's popping up in one of the Star Wars visions as well, so quite an interesting cast. But if you go through some of them, there was uh, they've used quite a mix of studios, because the first one felt very Japan, Japan the, heavy. The previous season was all Japanese studios. Yeah. This season they've put it across the world. So the other one for me that I'm really looking forward to is Cartoon Saloon yes. doing an animated film uh, film for Star Wars. That looked pretty amazing as well. That was in yeah. the trailer. So I think they used a couple of Spanish studios as well. El Gui, uh, there's some Spanish Mexican. Mexican uh, yeah. yeah. The, the Mexican one's interesting because yeah. it's kind of CGI but 3D. Yeah. Uh, stop motion so the other one that looks very stop motion they look really interesting yeah, th I think like I've looked at the list of countries and I think there's like Mexico and Chile I think is another yeah. one I think so Spanish speaking countries but and some Korean as well rather mm -hmm. than just being yeah. Japan heavy so interesting to have that mix so it's kind of like it's uh, a Punk bit Robot like, I think as well he's another yeah, one of the studios doing, doing it, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I always think it's a little bit like Disney's kind of plat back to Love, Death and Robots it's their way of kind of interpreting a franchise that they have something on, but allowing animators to go and make their own individual story, and allowing them to create something using a franchise. Well, I saw a co I saw a comment which described the first season as being the Animatrix, second season yeah. is Love, Death, and Robots. Mm. Yeah, that makes more sense. So. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, you know, I've never really understood people going, "Oh, I got Star Wars fatigue" or whatever it is. It's like, mm -hmm. no, just <laughs> ten-year-old me's going, nope, just keep throwing it. I'm, I'm quite happy to yeah. keep taking it. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board for another season. So uh, moving on to the other news that was announced. So Bad Batch season three, final season, probably going to be the coda to Clone Wars because Dave yeah. Filoni's kind of magnum opus from the start to the finish with that one. It's season two's just finished in the UK. It was a uh, quite a pivoting and it's pivoting very traumatic and, yes yes if you have any love for the members of the bad batch beware yeah because when they turned up in the clay walls the first time i was not a fan no i have really grown to like them over the last two seasons i think it's i think it's all down to the character of omega yeah. and to just how, how she's yeah. developed and yeah. and um brought the, cl the clones with her mm -hmm. in terms of you know their individuality so it's been a great season again yeah definitely uh, any of you watched bad batch um, well, it's interesting. Well, interesting to say about Omega because she was like the worst bit I found about the first series of Bad Batch. So I will keep going with it. it I think it's similar in a way to Ezra in Rebels, mm. and and I think they do this weird thing with Star Wars shows and and, and Resistance. It's a little bit the same, um, where they have this kind of childlike character who's a bit annoying to start with, but then the. Halfway between, halfway in the seasons, it pivots from being this kind of like slap uh, comedy, kind of like childish thing, to then go, Whoop, no, mm -hmm. like this is serious and there's lots of things going on. So again, she been a bit comes of a long way between the two seasons as well. So yeah. I think there's kind of like that always helps because that was again the problem with Rebels when yeah. Ezra was brought in, in season one. He was just the annoying kid. Yeah, Very she's she's good. definitely the audience. Um, yeah, uh, Patsy. 
yeah, our presence in there because you feel like what she feels when things happen in the see in the series. All right, let's move on to the big one. Dave Filoni's favorite character in the entire universe, <laughs> Ahsoka. So she come back. <laughs> Lars Mikkelsen has been confirmed as Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yep. He voiced the character in, in Rebels, Rebels, which yep. was fantastic to hear because I think he did a fantastic job in Rebels. I actually started rewatching Rebels, which I'll come on to a bit later. But um, I think Rebels has now become a must-watch before the season yep. comes out because we've got a lot of Sabine. You've got Hera, who is. Mary Elizabeth. Wife. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ramona Flowers. Yes. Yeah. Ramona Flowers is in this era. Chopper's back. Everybody loves Chopper. Everyone's favourite murder droid after HK forty seven. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this was kind of the big trailer drop for it. Um, Rosario Dawson back as Ahsoka. Um, Mandalorian's slowly coming to an end at the moment over here on British TV. We've got one or more episode at the time of recording. Yes. And it's interesting to see how that's going to go forward because that's well, yeah. A little couple of tidbits dropped out about that, which is the Mandalorian can mean many things. I think they mentioned in one of the panel. Yes, it's not the Din Djarin scope. No, it's called the Mandalorian, yes. which could mean anything. Yes, so, yeah. But I know Pedro Pascal's not been very happy about not having much screen face time, and there's been a couple of fallouts on set, so maybe that's had an influence in that decision. <laughs> But a very interesting point on where we are in the Mandalorian at the moment. Won't spoil too much. Uh, but you looking forward to Ahsoka? Uh, yes, more Star Wars. Just like <laughs> Chopper. I think as long as we get loads of really sarky Chopper, yeah. kind of getting annoyed at everybody, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be cool. <laughs> Although when they when they revealed the the um, toy that they're putting out, I was like, oh, it's ninety quid. I can't justify <laughs> this. Um, but but yeah, I was like, it looks great. The, the, the live action cast is really coming together. I think yeah. in terms of of what they what they've done with it, um, it's a shame the voice the, the voice actors don't yeah. get to kind of reprise their roles for the major parts. Although, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it looks great though. It looks it looks Star Wars. So, did any of you watch the Clone Wars back in the day when it first came out? I think it became a bit of required viewing for the prequels as it's well. Fifteen years, no, yeah. since Clone Wars came out. The series, I think the film was a couple of years before because yeah. it film was, was between, between one and two. Uh, between yeah, um, Clone Wars and Sith. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, um, started watching. So I watched the animated Clone Wars, which I absolutely love, and then I started watching the other Clone Wars series. Yeah. I think got like three series in, but the problem I have is, unless I'm really committed, I get distracted. <laughs> I think the <laughs> issue with the Clone Wars series when it was originally released, it was anthology, and if you're used to a linear storyline, mm. yeah, it's kind of out of order. There's out. lots, of, yeah, things happen all over the place. But there is kind of, I think there's a there's a guide on the Star Wars. There is a chronological site, guide, so you can the chronological watch it. Running order, which yeah. probably might be worth rewatching in that mm. one because then it makes a lot more sense. Suppose if you like four or five, which is where Clone Wars originally was pitched to. Very, very hard to keep comfort. <laughs> Good yeah. grief. It'd be yeah. pretty a pretty yeah. strong-willed four or five. There was some serious stuff happened in that show. Yeah. Well, the Umbra arc, probably. Yeah. yeah. It was a little bit dark for kids. Um, also got confirmation, the Acolyte. Not really much information, apart from a couple of cast announcements and the High Republic. Yeah. So Acolyte is... Is that pre or post again? Pre- I think the Acolyte is... I've yeah. got confused now because they expanded the world. They added the yeah. kind of next 
Yeah. Going further back and further forwards. Yeah, because I know the High Republic sits between the Old Republic and the New Republic, which was kind of like the peak of Jedi. So there's been quite a lot of material done that in comic book form and novel and audio book form. At the moment, it was kind of their big kind of restructure on that end. I think it was one of the big panels that they didn't show on the YouTube thing. So a lot of that I've just read on online. And the other announcement was Skeleton Crew. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of that because, again, it's another kids-based thing and, and people have described it as the Goonies meet Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'm fine. I'm quite happy yeah. with that. Well, I think they've probably looked at the success of something like Star Trek Prodigy and the Jedi yeah. Academy stuff and they've done and they've kind of like, well, you we can do another kids-focused kind of show. But it's, yeah. uh, what's-his-face, Jude. Jude Law. Yeah, yeah. It's the main guy in that one. I'm quite happy for there to be a... a a wealth of Star Wars content for all ages mm-hmm. because I think it's it's a thing that it, that it should be available to kind of kids and adults and I'd, you know if they kind of went oh we're just going to turn Star Wars into an adult show then I'd yeah. be a bit bored of it I think I'd be tired of it but because it's got that breadth mm-hmm. of content I'm quite happy to yeah. to watch the cartoons and watch the live action shows so yeah we also had three live action movies announced <laughs> yeah, this is where yeah. I get a little Ray bit kind of back. They've announced the director, so you've got James Mangold, who was quite yeah. an interesting pick. Dave Filoni, who's now cut his teeth on the Mandalorian book of Boba Fett and done enough live action. Well, I think Mangold's doing the um, indie movie. Yes. Yeah. And then Charmin Abedchinoy is doing the other one. Yeah. I've not really heard of him. My, my only problem with the films is that I remember a previous Star Wars celebration where they in- announced... A uh, Patty Jenkins yes. Rogue Squadron, yes. a Ryan Johnson trilogy, and all the rest of it. So, I'll, I'll the TV shows I can see happening because they've showed us that and they've yeah. showed us that content. Announcing the movies, I'm kind of like, Hold oh, I'll wait until I actually see them. Yeah, um, because it's all it's all well and good announcing them. But well, I think after the issues with the final movie, yeah. Episode 9 just kind of killed all love for Star Wars movies for quite a lot of people for some time, unfortunately. Yeah, but I've always thought the films were the weakest part of Star Wars as like a multimedia mm. thing. I mean, I thought Rogue One, Empire Strikes Back, etc. like very strong, but I think largely the films always just seemed the weakest for me. So I'm kind of glad there is that emphasis on other media, hmm. really. It's a fun universe to play around in. You've got magical space wizards, you've got bounty hunters, you've got lawless areas, you've got big city yeah. planets. I think the big issue they had was that they tried to finish the saga without George, which was a big mistake because I liked... Rogue One was brilliant. That's still that's second only to kind of Empire in terms of mm-hmm. I can rewatch that all the time. I really liked Solo. I thought Solo was great, kind of heist movie... It, it, I was grinning from ear to ear through the entirety of that movie, but I think the actual um, seven, eight, and nine, yeah, just they didn't really know what they were doing. And whereas it worked for George, where he went, "Oh, I've done Star Wars. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, let's make Darth Vader Luke's dad. Yeah, that that sounds good." <laughs> where he kind of made it up on the fly as he went through those three, it didn't kind of work for them. And but because they didn't have a, a an idea, I liked what Ryan Johnson did with. Um, Last Jedi, I really thought Star Wars is going somewhere so, here, and then they just rolled everything back with JJ on it, on Rise of Skywalker. It didn't need George Lucas back. What it needed was somebody 
to own all three films. Yeah, because it could have been JJ, it could have been Rian Johnson, it could have been anybody. I was about to say that isn't that the central problem? Like, it's okay George Lucas making stuff up as he goes along because, like, he knew what he was doing with the first one, so he can kind of follow on from that and follow up on those ideas he had. Mm -hmm. But switching the writer director midway through and then switching back again isn't going to create a coherent vision. Yeah. And that was the problem because Rian Johnson could have done the next film and he could have taken it at somewhere else interesting. I do I did think that like The Last Jedi did do some interesting stuff, like you said. Yeah. Um I think and I always I don't understand like this sort of hatred towards it that exists online because I mean one of the things that it does is the whole like anyone can be a Jedi. It's not about the families, like it's not about the Skywalkers yeah. and the Palpatines and all this sort of stuff. And then the fact that they just walked all that back yeah. on the the last one, it's like, well, no, you could, that was an interesting idea. You can explore that, do something with it. Yeah, you know. I think even sorry, that would deviate a little bit, but I think even in that film, like you can pinpoint there is that one moment where it could have gone in a whole different, really interesting trajectory where. Um, Ray and Kylo do their own thing and yeah. just go against absolutely everything. And that well, would have made I was expecting really like the grey Jedi to yeah. come in, which is kind of Jedi who deal with their emotions and they're not Sith, they're not Jedi. Yeah. They, it's 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 a balance. it's a thing as well because like the the first of that trilogy is yeah. just they made a new hope again. Oh yeah, God, yeah. and having Last Jedi come in and kind of throw out all the conventions and go, no, we're not doing any of that anymore. Yeah, is yeah. where it could have gone somewhere interesting. I think I think its big problem was it, it couldn't juggle the multi-character no. stuff. And I think the most interesting thing they fumbled the ball on entirely was the character of Finn, who yeah. would have made that, his journey from being a stormtrooper to being a Jedi and would have been really interesting. decision for the Chinese audiences because they were pandering, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's terrible to say. But he was obviously made as minimal as possible. So if his scenes weren't in the film, there'd be no impact. And, of course, now, like... Well, no one seems to hate Star Wars more than uh, well, John, John Boyega is yeah. completely disassociated yeah. and hates what happened to him yeah. as a character yeah. because they gave him a really interesting character up and threw it away I mean the whole thing with uh, Kelly Marie Tran and yeah. the reaction Rose. to her character and how she got completely sidelined in the third movie because it was just a reaction of oh the internet doesn't like her as a character so mm-hmm. we'll just give her something to do on the side I'll, yeah. I'll just stay home and like do. But some the, but this is why you shouldn't be pandering to the nerds online who don't know who just hate everything <laughs> because, like, you took all this interesting stuff and you just threw it out because like someone threw a tantrum that yeah. oh oh Ray is a nobody well why isn't she a Scott stop it just yeah. just roll with it I, I did not f- everything needs to be connected not I, everything needs to be on the wiki I did feel <laughs> that the the Star Wars as a whole felt stronger yeah. Uh, at this celebration I think they'd kind of learnt some lessons over the past few years and have looked at the, what they've had success wise with the other mediums yeah. that they've got I think with Mandalorian you've had Fallen Order which was a fantastic game and, mm-hmm. and we've got the follow up coming to that one Jedi, Jedi Survivor. Survivor and that looks again fantastic That's, that made good gains mm-hmm. uh, we had um, Squadrons which was mild, yeah. mildly successful mm-hmm. once it was a brilliant be successful game. I think if they've gone more into the VR, that but I think I think on the game front, that's also EA learning some lessons from like yeah. Battlefront Two and yeah. the legal trouble they got into over Battlefront Two <laughs> and its microtransactions, <laughs> and then just let Respawn just do a single player Star yeah. Wars game. The thing that everyone was screaming at them to make, and oh look, it was a massive success and everyone loves it. Who saw that coming? 
and then you've got Mandalorian and Andor, which has done really good games, yeah, yeah. and you've got other spin-offs. So I think there was rumours that they're, I think, um, what's his face, Uncle, oh, what's his face, Oppa from um, Kim's Convenience. Yeah, well, if they do the kind of spin-off that they were going to do with um, Kara. Yeah, um, so that'd be good. Yeah, Let, let's have Mr. Kim in space. That'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, and he's such a massive, he's such a massive geek as well. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. And I think I loved the little cameo that we had in the Mandalorian this season, which ties back to Rebels. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. Just the one thing I would absolutely love in Star Wars is creature comforts, but in Star Wars, <laughs> oh, and just that could just <laughs> run, that could just run, yeah. You heard it here, Ardman. You do creature comfort Star Wars, and you've got about a few months to do it for us. <laughs> that is brilliant. A couple of porks talking about <sighs> the <heat. laughs> worrying about whether they're going to eaten by Chewbacca. Anyway, yeah. enough Star Wars. Indiana Jones. The, just, well, just park that. Save it. Save it. It is time for the return of a long-forgotten geeky premium feature of the past. It is Parent Trap Cosplay. <laughs> and we have a special judge for this episode. Introducing the King of Cosplay. Yes, hello, my wonderful, wonderful subjects. I am the King of Cosplay, and I will be judging this contest. Thank you for having me on the show. King of Cosplay, who would you like to go first? Hmm. Hmm. It is a difficult choice. Matt, I choose you. I choose you. <laughs> so, do I have to give a clip? So, no, tell us what you purchased and what was, what was your expenditure. So, my expenditure was zero pounds and zero pence. Mm. Do you want to give us a clue as what the character could possibly be, or what franchise, or what? Um, without making it too obvious, um, it's a long-running series, and this character had a running joke where they would die quite frequently. Okay. Interesting. Are we ready? <laughs> Go forth. Go change. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a catchphrase. Go change. Go change. <laughs> Come on. Hurry up. Yeah. He's, took his, he's took his shoes off. Yeah. That's worrying. Well, about that. it is. I, I'll go like, yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, we've got to make sure we don't look at the screen because no. he can see just behind the screen. Any thoughts on what this character could possibly be? Well, if it's not... Kenny, I'm not. I don't know what he's going to do. That was my first thought as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not cosplay. I've just put my anorak on. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> trying to think of any other series where a character dies quite frequently and comes back. Um, misfits, Robert. Schumann yes, misfits. yes. Oh. Yes, that would be a good show. Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. He could have regenerated. He dies a lot. Yeah. I think it's going to be David Tennant. It's going to be the next Doctor. Every other Doctor going <laughs> forward now. You will just pop back up. Oh, fuck. just in, everyone. Do 
Uh, we, we definitely need a different camera angle on that. Well, <laughs> if it was orange, it would come across better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the idea. If we look different, it would be <laughs> Producer Liv is going to get a picture. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's entertaining. You look like you're ready for the slopes of Colorado anyway. <laughs> Can you do the voice? Uh, <laughs> no. 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 It's disappointing. <laughs> well done. Well, that was certainly interesting. But I'm curious <laughs> about the others. While, while Matt is changing, I think we should... Speak to our next contestant. I'm not looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, Keith? Is there a problem with my appearance? No. Do you have a problem with the king of cosplay? No, sorry, <laughs> Yeah. Just for that. Oh, no. You are going to go next. Okay. Should we wait for, are we waiting for Matt to come back? Yeah. Or should I just... No, just keep going. So, okay, I spent seven pounds... You went for the full budget. I went for the full budget, yeah. I kind of overspent because I didn't need as much for the one thing as I thought I might. Uh, and my costume consists of three cardboard boxes from the pan shop, uh, some knee pads for gardening. Is that just outside of the cosplay? Or <laughs> some yeah. weed suppressant fabric. Mm. We've gone back to Charlie Dimmick's favourite. <laughs> and uh, a lot of duct tape. Oh. So... Mm. Any clues? No. No, not a one. Mm. Well, the duct tape was, yeah, the biggest purchase. Quite expensive in the pan shop. I was shocked because most things in the pan shop aren't a pan anymore. No, it's a fib. No. Well, um, should I? You should go change. Go, <laughs> go and change, change right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I remember seeing the knee pads when I was <laughs> looking at my stuff in there. Yeah. Matt, <laughs> any ideas? What do you think Keith's going to be coming as? The cardboard boxes are throwing me off a little bit. I'm thinking maybe Optimus Prime. So I was thinking Transformer. But then I kind of wonder how long would that take to like, then put on. <laughs> Could be here a while. <laughs> if he's going to transform. <laughs> <laughs> like I, ten I, minutes. And, and <laughs> if he doesn't like transform into a lorry as well, then like... What's yeah. the thing? Yeah. <laughs> so, King of Cosplay. Yes. Full budget has been expended versus Matt at zero pounds and zero pence. Yes. Has that changed your opinion on what level of cosplay you're expecting here? A little bit. I appreciate those who know the value of things and are able to spend what they have and make good use of their funds. Yes. I mean, there is a cost of living crisis in the kingdom at the moment. Oh, who cares about that? But also, <laughs> it only affects the pores. I don't care. <laughs> the pobos. <laughs> but also, what I would say is, surely respect the, um, the resourcefulness and the creativity of using what I have. Are you ready? That's yeah. one way of looking at things. <laughs> Sam, any guesses before he comes around? Uh, I don't know. Um, Black Noir from The Boys. Mm. By the knee pads and the duct tape. Oh, excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, 
that is worthy of a celebration. Well, your Grogu seems to have got a lot older very quickly. <laughs> yes, that, that's that's one problem I noticed with it. Is that is not a baby Yoda. <laughs> that is quite a an older Yoda. It was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> He's grown up. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and yet, the Mandalorian himself has not aged. Not that we can tell, I suppose, with the helmet, I guess. But. That is incredible. <laughs> Very impressive. Very impressive. If you choose to do that, that is fine. <laughs> It doesn't earn you extra points to stay in costume. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, hello. Uh, what do you have to? What are you bringing to the table? So I, well, I spent five pounds fifty, but part of that was on something that I didn't actually end up using in the end. So four pounds fifty has gone into okay. the costume. Interesting. Wasteful. Wasteful. <laughs> I see. I, I've, I've kept it. It'll be kind of useful for a future costume. I'm okay. Sure. Um, and I, I had a yoga mat and some elastic and uh, I'm not sure what you call them, like wire cable tied. Yes, I, I, I know. Well, um, my servants know of the sort of thing. But yeah. <laughs> Use very much downstairs in the dungeons. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. Go, change. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's so good. It's brilliant. <laughs> Which was the way that you did it, Keith? Which was the way I did it? I have a bank holiday weekend. It's amazing. He was always ready to take his helmet off. The, he would have had to have gone and bathed in the mines of Mandalore. No, no, no. See, I can't take the helmet off now. <laughs> That's it. Well. Any thoughts on what Sam's going to... Oh! Oh! <laughs> Very interesting. Clicker. Mm. Yes. yes. <laughs> that is an incredible mask. And just as I was about to make a comment about if he takes the mask off, then he just becomes Joel. So it is <laughs> quite appropriate that we went in that direction. Very impressive. I can only see if I do this. <laughs> hmm. Well, three very interesting cosplays. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, I I am pleased with the offerings that have been brought to me today. Um, Unfortunately, hmm. like the Highlander, there can only be one. There can indeed only be one, and everyone else unfortunately does need to be executed. Um, <laughs> I, I'm quite glad I'm wearing best. <laughs> that won't help. <laughs> but looking at all three of you. Not that Matt is in costume anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do have to award this to Keith. That Mandalorian costume is superb. Well done, Sir Keith. Keith. You can come and collect your prize. If I can ever get out of this. I don't know how the Mandalorians do it, you know, because visually it's difficult to see anything. <laughs> For your efforts, Keith. Oh. You have won a 40th anniversary pop-up pirate E.T. the Extra Terrestrial. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Hang on. That is... Haven't these two got beef in the past? <laughs> wow. 
would, would you need to have him put in the dungeon if there's trouble with your royal prize? Because I will, I will have him put in the dungeon. Execution is optional, but... And the king has also decreed there is a treat before execution for all players. Oh. <laughs> I am, if not, nothing else, if merciful. <laughs> <laughs> well done, all. And that is the end of the Pound Shop cosplay for this week. Thank you for having me. I am returning to my chambers. <laughs> <laughs> Time for One Geek Thing, our episodic review and what we've been up to and what we're interested in since the last time that we had a podcast. Uh, Matt, what's been your One Geek Thing the last few weeks? Um, so recently I went to go and see the Pixies play at the Forum in mm. Birmingham. So the Forum in Birmingham, someone who does, isn't local, it's... Um, it's the old one, so it's quite a. It's a very sticky to the floor, gritty fire hazard of a rock venue. So it was the Carling Academy at my era, and then it was the O2 Academy before that moved to where the Dome Two is. I'm mean, going to go even further back to the Hummingbird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the floor has always been that sticky, I think. Yeah, and it's the first time I saw the Pixies, and I've loved them like forever. And honestly, um, they were incredible because they were they were proper they were proper old school in the sense of they just played they just played song after song. Their set list was about forty songs long, um, and they would they would mix it up where they'd mix up the intros that kind of thing. So you wouldn't really know what song was coming until they properly got into it. But live, they were incredible. So they played. Um, played a lot of classics they opened with like wave of mutilation and then they did um a, a sort of like a surfer version of it a bit later they um they did caribou did vamos they did so many good ones um and then they to close the set they did you know the obvious one where is my mind but it was absolutely fantastic so that's been remixed and replayed and slowed down by so many different people now it's kind of become its own kind of cultural thing in itself wasn't it in, was it in a john lewis advert i think possibly one of the christmas adverts yeah and, and it's it was really interesting watching them live because um especially like when they went from song to song to song mixed them all together because actually the pixies has quite a quite a range in terms of genre like they can go from obviously they're very pivotal to starting um, sort of the indie rock craze in the early 90s but they also did like surfer rock they would um, they were influenced a bit by like Spanish um, sort of like uh, Spanish traditional sort of like folk and it, yeah it was just incredible that there was a bit where in the Institute that they had like a that stop for about 10 minutes impromptu because there was um, a uh, an audio uh, issue and then because of that they then played another few songs like they were just properly there for the fans there for and you could tell despite doing it for what about 40 40 years now I'd probably Almost, say yeah, probably not true. quite they, yeah. they, they, they formed in 86 because this is where this is where I feel 
my age <laughs> is I saw them probably late 80s, early 90s at the Hummingbird yeah. in that same venue, which we're so talking like nearly 30 years ago. I was going to say that so that's, if they formed in 86, that's still 37 years. Yeah. yeah. It just seems bizarre that I, I saw them a lot longer ago. <laughs> and, and, and it was just that they just absolutely loved it. You could just tell. So, yeah, that was my one geeky thing. I would thoroughly recommend seeing them if, if when they come back. And, yeah, it was all just brilliant. Awesome. So, how about yourself? What was your geeky thing? Um, I went to see a film called uh, The Wife and Her House Husband, um, which is not in and of itself a very geeky film. It was very good. Um, but uh, it, it was a, a micro-budget independent film uh, by a director called Marcus Marco. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's sort of interesting about it is the, the sort of way he released it. Um, so it had a, a quite limited run uh, in the cinema in London first, but then he brought it to The Mockingbird in Birmingham. Um, and it was basically released as a £1 cinema thing, so um, uh, all the tickets were a pound, and it was the feature film plus a short that he'd also made that's on, on YouTube called uh, Two Men Meet Five Times, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think... It's interesting uh, the way it was released. Uh, it's it's a nice way of getting people to go to the cinema to see independent films, but won't get a huge audience necessarily otherwise. Yeah, um, it's one of the problems of modern cinema is it's so expensive now for a family to get out to the cinema. I think it's probably coming up to nearly a hundred pounds now if you're buying tickets plus food plus drinks, sitting down, taking four or five people. It's, it's not a cheap experience anymore like it used to be many years ago. And that's because that's the only way cinemas can survive is because they don't make anything off the ticket pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's like something I noticed with the last two films I've seen. Like My local cinema, relatively cheap, apart from Dungeons & Dragons and Mario, which were 11 quid each. Yeah. <laughs> so, And if you think that's what, if you're taking a family of four, you're, you're 40, 50 pounds. Yeah out of pocket before you even start going and sitting down and then you want to get sweets, popcorn, ice cream, drinks. To be fair though, what what I will say is the like, you know, like at Cineworld you have like the, the unlimited card, that kind yeah. of thing. OG and have limitless, I think, is yeah, they? Yeah, they used to be I think when they were first a thing, they weren't really worth it, but actually now, because you get um Obviously, you can see you can see movies largely for free. You get discounts on the food, and if it's like a new release or like a 4DX, it's only like a couple of extra quid. So you can sort of buy the card, and you can go once or twice, and you've kind of made the money back and a bit more. Yeah. So I think that there is there are some things where it's okay, you know, yeah. cost wise. Well, I think it's kind of I'm an unlimited member. Sam, you're an unlimited member you'll notice the same faces mm. when you go for screenings, usually, and it'll be the same kind of 20, 30 people you'll see quite often in reception. Keith, I know you've got a very reasonably priced cinema quite close to you. Yeah, we've got the independent reel, which is six, seven pound a ticket, which is quite good. I mean, mm. obviously the screens are a lot smaller, um, but as a th- I'm, I have, have three, my phone network is three, so they give away Cineworld tickets at the weekend for three pounds. So if you go on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday, yeah. it's only three quid on a I ticket. I think Meerkat Moves is still rumbling on on a Tuesday night. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I've, I've, mine is um, an Empire Cinema, and um, but I think they might have an equivalent to it. I just haven't really looked into it. Yeah, it's something I probably should look into, especially because this month has like everything I want to see. Because <laughs> um, Renfield's out soon. Yeah, Renfield drops. Yes. Oh yeah. As yeah. we're recording, yeah. 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 So and, uh, Mario's out, of course. Yeah, I've seen I've seen T and D and Mario, and now it's Renfield next. So it's just like. I probably should look into it. We seem to be in, it's a good year for cinema, I think this year. Yeah. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff coming up. And I think it's got to that stage now where people are not as frightened to go back. It's just the price needs to come back to something reasonable. And it's that kind of thing of, I don't want to have to do an hour's worth of research about what discount to apply for before turning up, which is why I have an unlimited card. <laughs> but if you're a family of four, I can imagine it's not yeah. sensible to have to spend hours of researching what's the cheapest way to go and watch a film. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the film I saw very much not a film that you'd be making your kids to see. But coming on to that, so you've got Mockingbird and we've got the Mac, which are, and you've got um, the Electric, which do quite a lot of independent programmes. Yeah. And the Electric is especially known for showing older films, I think, and stuff that you wouldn't have seen in the cinema for many, many moons, like Return of the Jedi, maybe, which having a wide release this year as it's its 40th birthday. But, um, yeah, so The Mockingbird, especially. Yeah, um, so, yeah, if, uh, I think that film has finished its run in The Mockingbird, but I'd imagine he's going to carry on doing similar sort of things, so if, if you get a chance to see it, I'd definitely yeah. recommend it. Yeah, I think there is a cinema for a pound website. I'll pop it in the description. Yeah, yeah we're coming up to the point where Flatpak Festival runs across Birmingham so there's a good chance a lot of these kind of like less um, blockbuster movies will be screened across um, the Midlands as part of the Flat Pass Festival so yeah. they're usually well priced for what you get as well so if, I think we're coming up to it I think it's usually May May yeah. time so keep people look at it in the, in, they used to have the Indian, Indian Film Festival yeah they do stuff for the kids and stuff as well so yeah, yeah. yeah look, look out for Flat Pack Festival awesome thank you I will pop the link. Well, we'll pop the trailer to the film. Probably find a nice green band trailer, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Lee, how about yourself? What geek thing have you been up to? Um, so, <clears throat> I've managed to get round to playing something that I've been meaning to play for a while, um, and it's now become like one of my favourite games ever. Which is uh, Simpsons Hit and Run. No, it's a game. <laughs> it's a game called um, Dang and Romper. Uh, it's, um, it's a Japanese mystery visual novel thing it's basically like it's a bunch of high school students have been sort of locked up in a school yeah and the only way they can escape is by killing each other but like every time someone turns up dead you have to figure out who did it to like because it because otherwise um because the if, if the person who did it is found out they are punished basically well executed but if they're not found out they can be set free and everyone else gets executed it's a, it's a, an interesting premise, um, and it's basically just it's like a mystery murder mystery thing, basically that you just had. To, and it's so I think I picked it up from a humble bundle like yeah. ages ago. It's yeah, I had Steam it. Library of. I've had it sitting in my Steam <laughs> library, but the reason I started playing it is because like I was reviewing a different thing for work, which is basically also like an anime murder mystery thing where you've got a bunch of people trapped in an enclosed space. Some of them are murderers, and you've got to figure out who. Um, and I, while playing that game, I was just like, I know that people reading this review are going to be like, so how does it compare to Danganronpa? Because I know that it's like this sort of big one in that genre. I was yeah. kind of like, 
I've got it in my Steam library. I should also play that. And then the problem was, is it made the game I was reviewing worse in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've never been brave enough to play it because it looked like a Japanese visual novel. It and, basically is. And all Japanese visual novels on Steam are in two categories. <laughs> and we all know what the main category is. So you don't it, want to be tough playing it. It's, it's not one of those, <laughs> thankfully. Um, no, it's, um, it is very much just like very stylish, very... Um, uh, it, it's sort of one of those things where like it constant, it's full of constant twists and turns. And, and what I really like about it is every time you go into like the class trial sort of things, like you, there's three sort of phases to it. You've got like ordinary school life where you just kind of hang, wandering around the school and, and sort of chatting with with all the other students and stuff. And and there's sort of like a persona style social link in there where you can sort of like spend time with different people and it earns you special skills and the trials and all this sort of stuff. Um, the second phase is like the investigation phase after a body's found, so you've got to go and go around gathering all the evidence, and then you have the class trial, where like you'll go in with like, oh, it's at, it's one hundred percent this person, and then like all the evidence will get passed around, and new things will come up, and you find out it's someone completely unexpected, and it's just it's a wild ride every single time, and it's all like the whole, the way the trials are played out is like they use mechanics like you've got to shoot someone's statement which put shows upon screen and you've got to shoot it with a truth bullet uh, and it's it's completely ludicrous and over the top but it works for this whole uh, whole thing and it just it keeps you guessing and and yeah i've just i've really gotten into it to the point where like as soon as i finished it i immediately bought the other two games in the series <laughs> definitely going to be a replay of them yeah awesome and that's probably on Steam. It's probably on every gaming console now. Um, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I think there might be like a sort of remastered version on the Switch and PS4, but they're all available on Steam. Yeah, definitely available on PC. At least. Mm -hmm. Why is Dino of Destiny the best trader of the year? <laughs> <laughs> I've got this all planned. I was going to say you would think. My one geek thing was the announcement of a Scott Pilgrim anime featuring the cast of the Edgar Wright film. But that the was cast. until I saw the trailer for Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny, which I watched about 40 times that evening. You know, you know I'm slightly disappointed when that anime was announced that I didn't that I shared Edgar Wright's tweet instead of the story I wrote <laughs> just to be like just to flex that that's my job now. <laughs> but I saw the trailer uh, as part of uh, Star Wars Celebration. I think yep. it, was, it was released on the Friday of, of the event. And apart from a, a bit of dodgy CGI in the New York sequence where they're riding, riding horses, mm. I was like, yeah, this, this looks like Harrison Ford is going, I'm having a blast. I had a good time doing shrinking. I am going to come back, do indie, the character of my career. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm fully on. I, I didn't have a bigger problem with uh, Crystal Skull as a lot of other people. But that whole... Rolling Stones into the Indie March. I was like, yeah, roll on uh, this movie because I cannot wait because it looked fantastic. And the whole idea of perhaps there's a bit of Indie does time travel and we get younger Indie because that de-aging, I don't know where they do it on other shows where they get it so blatantly wrong, but the ILM guys can do a bang-up job because both him and um, Mickelson looked phenomenal and, yeah. and it just looked amazing. And I was like, yeah. I'm totally on board for this. It looks amazing. I just wondered where Sheila Burf was the entire time. <laughs> yeah, the trailer. 
have to spoil it. <laughs> the the best character in the series, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's off on a motorcycle somewhere else, and the motorcycle will transform into something else, and he's doing a whole different thing. Look, he's, he's, he's just off yelling on a green screen. I, he, thought, I, I, I thought he'd been put in a fridge. He's gone, he's, he's gone. He's gone. The dial of destiny. Well, the safest used, place you can be. The dial of destiny has been used to send him forward in time to meet Megan Fox and do a whole different franchise. There we go. Um, but yeah, I'm just like we got Nazis, we got adventure, we've got Toby Jones, we've got you know. I still need to watch this trailer. It's uh, I, I just the, the, I was like, okay, we're using the Rolling Stones for music. I was thinking, okay, where are we going to get? But the way they go from the Rolling Stones into indie, you just go, this uh, what? This that, is genius. I had goose, literally <laughs> goosebumps when I watched that trailer. I was so excited. I was like, this is just amazing. I that can't music wait. transition worked far better than it had anyway. <laughs> I know. I was like, where did this come from? Yeah. And, and as a result, it sent me scurrying to eBay to buy the last two volumes of the Young Indiana Jones adventures, which I hadn't got on DVD, and they're not available anywhere else. Yeah, I, saw, so I, had to I, get I said I still need to watch this trailer, especially because I've I, I love Indiana Jones and <sighs> um, just yeah yeah. Like I think the the love that a lot of people have for Star Wars, it's like now all my love is in the other Lucasfilm property. Yeah, <laughs> I I do love. I, I, there's no doubt I love Star Wars. Mm. But if I had to choose between Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark would win hands down every time because that is there's yeah. just those kind of pulp like adventure movies are just like there's the best. a direct line from my love of Indiana Jones into my love of Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. Which of course then led to my love of Uncharted. It's just the genre. Yeah. Throw anything like that at me. Could you imagine like a Jedi Fallen Order game but an Indiana Jones game? Don't. We have we have got I an wonder. Indiana Jones game coming. No, it's not it's yeah. a not yeah. like that though is it but uh, well, yeah, yeah the uh, the um i'm trying to remember who it is it's the wolfenstein guys doing yeah um india jones that should be good though yeah but i kind of like the idea of embracing indies getting on and he's you know the whole uh, the whole retirement thing and yeah. just uh it, the, the trailer just really worked in terms of making me excited where he hands the whip and the hat over to sheila Burke. no <laughs> <laughs> no he's not going to hand it to phoebe waller bridge either that's not going to happen. Indie, indie will end if that's the end. It's just, I, it's I over. did like the pop-up of Gimli in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Gimli. It's John Rhys Davies. But Gimli. he's not Gimli. He is now. Gimli um, with the fez would be an amazing. <laughs> well, I, li- I like the whole. I like the whole idea of um, uh, Zorro. I, like, I can't remember the actor's name now, which I, I, appalls me. The the the, um, the terrible Johnny Depp. No, no, no. <laughs> He was and he was in he was Desperado as well. Oh, Antonio, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Yeah, so he appears briefly, and I was thinking, yeah, yeah. But oh man, give me this movie now, please. It's like final indie. But yeah, I'm not buying all the toys. You will. I'm not. You will. No, will. <laughs> <laughs> we already know you will. <laughs> and what about you, Ryan? What's been your geek thing? So, I was going to say go to see Darren Hayes' VIP show, which was for his special birthday last year. It was really, really good. But um, with the Ashoka trailer, I'm going to change my choice because I've had to now go and rewatch Rebels because it's been a couple of hot years since I've lost it. It ran from 2014 to 2018. So it's actually nine years old this year, the first series, which is like... Ugh. Crazy. But um, if you've not watched it, it's an animated series. It kind of follows on from the Clone Wars a little bit. Yeah. There's quite a bit of crossover. So you got Dale, Dave Filoni. It was Dave Filoni's thing after the Clone Wars, and it was kind of sat 15 years after 
the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. So if we in get introduced to Ezra Bridger, played by Taylor Gray, and it's his character and it's his kind of finding that first kind of rebel self, and that's the kind of thing of where the rebellion starts from. And the whole theme is it's this is the spark that starts the rebellion off. But uh, it's quite an interesting voice cast if you look back. Freddie Prince Jr. as uh, Kane and Jairus, which actually does a really good job. I mean, I was surprised when he was in Mass Effect 3 that he was quite good in that as James Vega. He, he, he's, he does a lot of good stuff. Yeah. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. No. But it, it, it's because he, was, it was he was Fred, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows Sarah Michelle Gellar's husband, and he's, he's Fred in yeah. the Scooby-Doo movies. But he's done some really great voice work after that. You've got Vanessa Marshall, you've got Steve Blue, uh, you've got Dee Bradley Raker who's now playing every single clone. Of course, of course you've got Steve Bloom and Dee Bradley Raker. They're in everything. Yes. <laughs> uh, but David Oyelowo as Agent Callus, brilliant character in that. Uh, you get pop-ups of Darth Vader. You get Tarkin pop-up in there. There's a really good bit with the Inquisitor. So it's kind of... It felt kind of... It fits in this era of Star Wars. It yeah. goes quite well alongside like the Mandalorian... Book of Boba Fett, it kind of fits in this kind of thing on a rewatch. Well, it's the big introduction of Thrawn as well, which yeah. which was kind of not canon because he's he, he appeared yeah. in the, what would have been Star Wars Legends material. So, yeah, originally. He was in what was known as the expanded universe yeah. before it got rebranded as Disney to Star Wars Legends. But um, Lars Mikkelsen's perfect for him, yeah. perfect characterization. Uh, if you watch the most recent episode, The Mandalorian, there's quite a few little funny easter eggs in there as well if you know the kind of history of like the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games which is where Thrawn turned up in those yeah. kind of things so it was just it's fun to rewatch, yeah. even though it ends on a bit of a damn downer but yeah. <laughs> cool hero ship as well yeah the ghost, ghost is, is good. amazing Chopper is my second favourite droid in the Star Wars franchise <laughs> after HK-47 who is still the original meatbag murdering pet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chopper comes a good second close yeah. I think he's got the big biggest death toll in any kind of Star Wars one, if you, somebody has gone through and carried every single time that Chopper either kills or maims either a human or a droid in it, and it comes to quite a big death toll. Yeah, but you know, he's not vicious with it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, what a shame. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a fun watch to go through again. And yeah. as you mentioned, it starts off as a as a kid show, and then it really leans into some kind of deep lore later yep. on, and it gets kind of very emotional. And then I think of the show after which, which I completely forgot the name of it. Resistance. Resistance, which was just yeah. a pale, pale imitation in comparison. Yeah. But it's kind of fun watching Bad Batch now, because I'm assuming that might cross over at some point. There's a possibility there with Rex as a character mm -hmm. coming across into both. So, But yeah, if you've not watched it, it's all on Disney+. Plus. Any fan of the Clone Wars is going to watch it and love it. If you like Star Wars, watch yeah. it. If, yeah, and if you're going to watch Ashoka, you pretty much need to watch it because it's going to give you a lot of backstory. <laughs> Joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast at this issue. Lee, where can we find you online? You can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret. Uh, updates on the channel on Twitter at Bob the Pet Ferret, and my personal Twitter is The Cheap Ferret. And where can we find your articles which aren't the gaming roundup? Uh, you can find uh, a lot of my work now on Silicon Era and Game Rant. Awesome, thank you. Sam, how about yourself? Where can we find you online? Uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, sdedwards89, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And 
various other things that I don't really use. <laughs> awesome. Matt, how about yourself? Uh, on Instagram, matchstick underscore Matt. Um, on Twitter, Mr. Matt Lovell. And that's mostly just liking and retweeting Geeky Rummy stuff. Awesome. Keith, how about yourself? Uh, if you just search for Hard Luck Hotel, it's probably me. Uh, Unless it's got a duck in it. Unless it's Count Docula, yeah, that's the only other thing. Uh, but generally, mostly uh, Wednesdays on the Geeky Brummy Twitter feed and website, just letting you know what's out there in the world of comics. Mm -hmm. My personal favourite picks of the things that you should possibly be reading. Yes. So uh, follow follow us on Twitter, Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, and you'll see that on a Wednesday. Or yep. just you know subscribe to our website. Working by the time this goes in, <laughs> yeah, it will be. There's a fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> Hedge your bets. Uh, Somebody might have noticed his book being in the show. So a uh, former Geeky Brummy member, Mr. Philip Ellis, has released his debut novel, which you can go and find in all good bookshops. Uh, it's a very fun read, called Love and Other Scams, under the name of P.J. Ellis. We recommend. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find him on Twitter, under Philip underscore Ellis, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. I, it says so in the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter MasterChef's on I'll probably be grumpy about it at some point <laughs> that's pretty much it but you can find us all on Geeky Brummy on Instagram Twitter Facebook GeekyBrummy.com GeekyBrummy on YouTube where you're possibly watching this or podcasting streaming services where you're possibly listening to this one um, but thank you don't forget to like subscribe share tell all your friends and we review shall see, and review yeah. yes and we shall see you again soon but for now goodbye everybody bye Oh, 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 oh,